talk about being grateful for grace. How many of you are grateful for the grace of God? And uh, where would we be without his grace? And an interesting passage, I, I really uh, considered preaching this passage today, um, but I, probably one of my most unusual Thanksgiving messages I'll ever preach this morning in the, in the 1030 hour, uh, different from any other Thanksgiving one that I've done, but God just led me to that. Today we're in Luke 17, and maybe you're familiar with this, but let's read it together beginning in verse number 11. The Bible says, It came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered into a certain village, there met him, how many men? That were what? Lepers. And notice that these lepers, as was their occasion, they stood afar off. The Bible says in verse 13, they, the lepers, lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, now what did they say to him? Have mercy on us. And when he, what? Saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were what? cleansed. And one of them, how many? When he, the one, saw that he was healed, what did he do? He turned back and with a loud voice, what did he do? Glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him what? Thanks. And he was what? Isn't that interesting? One of how many? Ten percent. One of ten. He gave him thanks. Now look at verse 17. Jesus answered, answering said. Now who's he talking to? The one. Notice, where were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? And then he says, there are not found that return to give glory to God, save this, what? Yeah, so look at this. Here's this stranger, you know, one that is not a part of what many consider to be the privileged ones. And we see this tremendous passage. Now, Thanksgiving to me is, is always a great time of year. I love what it stands for. I, I was, again, just reflecting on Thanksgiving Day. Thanksgiving was first held in 1611 after the winter of 1610. And that winter of 1610, and of course there's no real picture, so I just kind of gave you a little bit of a visual here. I don't know how accurate it is, but the winter of 1610, listen to this, had reduced the number of settlers from 406 to 60. One winter, 406 to 60. But those 60 prayed for help, and God answered in the form of a ship that was filled with supplies from England. So when the ship showed up, what did they do? They thanked God. The story goes on in 1621. Another group of 46 Puritans and 91 Native Americans held a special day of Thanksgiving, 
And the reason they did was to praise the Lord for a bountiful harvest. But the winter before that that celebration of a bountiful harvest, that winter too had reduced their number from 102 to 46. Now, if you're like me, I thought about those two situations early in the history of our nation, and maybe you're like me, you may wonder, what in the world did they have to be so thankful for? I mean, to see their numbers reduced because of death, because of the winter, because of the cold, why were they thankful? They were thankful because of the grace of God. They were thankful for God's grace. And we live in America, and just seems like this world we live in is an interesting place. It gets more interesting by the day. But the truth is, we, we really should enjoy what we have while we can. The infidels of the world are after so many things. They're after the Pledge of Allegiance. They're after taking out the words on our currency, in God we trust. They want to change Christmas instead of it being a religious holiday. They want to change or do away with the Ten Commandments. And by the way, Thanksgiving Day is not too far behind all those others. Because after all, just like those early settlers, Thanksgiving is a day to thank God for His goodness, to thank God for His grace. So the question that I thought to myself, maybe you would consider this, maybe you already have, is what are we thankful for these days? What are you thankful for? If you think about that in your own life. I think a lot of times we're thankful for material things and we're thankful for physical things in our lives. I think that many times we can be grateful for financial help. We can be thankful for maybe our our health, our physical health. Interesting, in our text this morning, these nine, not the ten, but these nine, you know what they were thankful for? Nothing. I mean, it's, it, it's an amazing passage. So many people, I think, today are like the nine. They're thankful for nothing. I, today we do see, yeah, look past the nine, and you see a man who I believe shows us where the real cause for thanksgiving lies. And that's the focus this morning. I think it's good in our lives to be thankful for the material and the physical things of life, but there's, there are some things that are more valuable. In other words, you just can't put a price tag on certain things. In the passage that we see this morning, I see a man who is thankful for grace. And I hope God helps us this morning, and really every day of our lives, to see the real reason for Thanksgiving. Now, it begins with a tragic company, because when you look at this passage, the Bible mentions again in verse number 11, look at it, it came to pass as he, Jesus, went to Jerusalem, he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off, and they lifted their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So clearly, when you look at these verses, it doesn't get way into it, but you can easily understand their condition. 
uh, the, the, the way these individuals, it, it, you know, their, their condition, you can go back in the Old Testament, and there's many verses, but just to give you a, a sample of this, look in your notes there, Leviticus 13 and verse 3, where the Bible tells us that the priest shall look on the plague, notice how this disease is referred to, it's a plague, and it says here, it, it's something that takes place in the skin of the flesh, and when the hair in the plague is turned white, and the plague is in sight be deeper than the skin of his flesh, it is a plague of leprosy, and the priest shall look on him and pronounce him what? Now, remember what Jesus said to them? He said, go show yourself to the priest. So all the way back in the book of Leviticus, you find here this, this disease, this plague, as the Bible calls it, where the person has this, this disease in their skin, it's deep, and, and I don't know if you've ever heard or studied or even seen pictures, I, I, I looked at a few pictures this week, I, I thought about putting a few on there, but I, I didn't know if it would go with your breakfast. But to be honest with you, people that had leprosy, there was literally parts of their body that would fall off. It's an awful disease. And by the way, a lot of people don't know this, but leprosy is still in the world today. It really is. A lot of people still suffering from leprosy. But you see here that it, it is referred to as this plague. And people that had this, they were considered to be unclean. That's why the Bible says they stood afar off. My daughter, she called yesterday, and they, uh, <clears throat> you know, we grew up, when I was a kid, you know, I grew up in the Midwest, and, and uh, you know, I, I'm, I still miss the, the changing of the leaves in the fall. And, uh, and you see the leaves are red and orange and yellow, and just like God paints all the leaves, and so pretty, you know, and, and, and I, I loved it, but... I didn't like it when the leaves would fall and I became an adult and I had to rake all of them. And my daughter said to us yesterday, they live in Pennsylvania, she said, for five years I've been trying to get Matthew, my son-in-law, to rake the leaves in their yard. Now Matt's not lazy, he just doesn't see the priority of raking leaves. So yesterday he's out there and he's not raking leaves. He's got a leaf blower, and he's blowing, and he's got a pile of leaves that's probably this tall, probably goes from me to my wife or farther, huge, and my grandkids are playing in that pile of leaves, and they're disappearing. I mean, there were so many, and I said to my, my daughter, I said, what are you going to do with those leaves? And she said, well, I ain't going to do anything. She says, but Matthew's going to burn them, you know, and, and get rid of them. So when my, my, my grandson came in, and Duke, his name is, when he came in, my daughter said she noticed these spots on him. And my daughter, she's kind of funny because her sister-in-law has five boys and no girls. And she, with those five boys, she's literally seen every kind of sickness with her sons. So my daughter automatically jumps on the phone and calls her sister-in-law and says, Look at these spots on my son. What are they? Like she's some kind of MD. And so Andrea told my daughter, she says, well, I'm not sure. She goes, but 
I think that might be the measles. And then my daughter kind of laughs. She says, well, I've already had the measles. She says, but I don't think Matthew has. And I thought to myself, as much as I love my son, I think I'd be staying away from him. You know, sometimes people have certain things and and, and listen, we, we want to stay a safe distance from them because we don't want to catch what it is. You know, isn't it interesting sometimes you go in the hospital, to just to, uh, sometimes I'll go to visit someone, in my mind I start thinking, boy, if I go there, I'm going to catch this and this and this. I become a hypochondriac when I go to the hospital sometimes. I don't know how you people work in the hospital. I just don't, you know. But, but, but here's the thing is, they were unclean. And, and the Bible says in, in that same chapter, look at verse 46, all the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. There's another word that the Bible uses about this disease. Notice again, he is unclean. And look at these words. Isn't this more sad than the disease? That he shall dwell how? Alone. He's, he's going to dwell all by himself. Now, you know the only company that a leper had? Another leper. Because they already had the disease. And it's sad sometimes because of things in our lives that it separates. The Bible clearly tells us even that our sin separates us from God. And you see this passage here where it says that they'll dwell alone without the camp shall his habitation be. Outside the camp. Look what Isaiah said in the Old Testament. Your sins have separated between you and your God and your sin have hid his face from you and he will not hear. Leprosy, as you study it out, it really is a real disease. But leprosy is something that not only defiled, you saw the word there, it distanced a person from maybe loved ones and others in their lives, but really what it did was it doomed people. They were, they were put out of the city, they were left out there basically to die. That was their fate, unless God providentially healed them of that disease. When you study the, this disease, it runs parallel. I, I think it's a clear picture of what sin is and the effects that sin has on humanity, just like leprosy does. The, the Bible identifies here that nine of these lepers, interesting, were what nationality? Nine were Jews. One was a Samaritan. It's kind of interesting when you look at this because all of them, all of them were lepers. They were all afflicted equally. Guess what? We are all, whether we're Jew or Gentile, we are all sinners. We all need to be healed of the sin disease in our lives. You see, man oftentimes wants to separate and, and say, I'm better than this nationality or this person because of my race, because of my background. Listen, when God sees us, he sees us as equal. Understand that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And you see their condition here. 
But notice that as they were in their condition, about the only thing they can do, which is the only thing that you and I understand even in our own lives, is notice their cry because somewhere along the way, just like everyone else, even with their disease, maybe before they were put out of the city, they heard about Jesus. They heard about this one that could make a difference. Maybe, maybe you remember reading in the Bible, there was a man by the name of Bartimaeus. What was his infirmity? He was blind. But remember when Jesus came by, that Bartimaeus cried out to him with his blindness? Folks, listen, anyone can cry out to the Lord. And when you look at this passage here, they, they cry out, Master. That word master, here's what it, it literally has this, this idea of being the chief commander. When they cried out and they called him master, or chief commander, what were they doing? They were recognizing the authority that Jesus had, the power that he had to heal them. <clears throat> so when you, when you think about this, uh, they did what, what really every sinner needs to do, is they cried out to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus had the power to make a difference in their lives. Look, do you remember the day and I, I don't know where you were in your life, but I know this, that the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. But I can remember the day that I cried out to God in my sin and said, Lord, I need you. I'm tired of my life. I'm tired of the mess. I felt so alone. Do you remember those days? I was without God. Now listen, I was around people. I, did, I had a luxury that these lepers did not have. But isn't it, isn't it amazing when you don't have God in your life, you can be a, in a room or a stadium full of people and you feel so alone? And that's the way I was. I was just like these lepers. And listen, every one of us, look at the psalmist says here, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. Isn't it wonderful that when we cry out to God, God hears us? God listens to us. And they cried out to Jesus, who is God? Well, why did they do that? Well, the Bible tells us in Acts 4.12, look at this. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name among, under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. People want to be delivered from the plague, from the sin, from the defilement in their lives. Just like these lepers, listen, the only place that you can go to be healed of that disease is to God himself. And in this instance, Jesus was God in the flesh. And they cried out in their condition. So look, the story this morning, it begins with a tragic company, but look at number two. This morning, I see a tremendous compassion. Look at verse number 14. The Bible says, and when he saw them. Now, how many of you, look at me, how many of you think because Jesus was God, how many of you think he knew that he was going to come across these 10 lepers before he did? How many of you believe like I do that he already knew what they looked like on the outside and the inside before he ever came into contact with them. 
But isn't it, I think it's neat when God gives us the insight with our Bible so that we who are, are finite can understand our infinite God. And I see here that the Bible says, when he saw them, notice, could Jesus have just healed them right there? Sure he could have. Remember how people accuse Jesus of being a rebel, a lawbreaker, a blasphemer? Jesus said these words, I did not come to destroy the... I did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Jesus was not... A, do you understand that goes... That totally contradicts God and his word if Jesus was a lawbreaker. So, look, Jesus knew what the law demanded. So what did he tell these people? Look at it again, verse 14. Go show yourselves unto who? The priest, which was required under the law. And the Bible says here that, and it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Now, when I looked at those words, you know what it reminded them when the children of Israel, when they were getting ready to cross the river and they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. When did God part the water? Yeah, when they put their foot in, when they stepped out. So what, is, what happens here? He tells them to go to the priest, but they weren't healed until when? Until they actually took off to go to the priest. Now when you look at this passage here, under the law, what did these ten men deserve? Under the law? Nothing. What do you and I deserve? We deserve nothing. We deserve hell is what we deserve because we're sinners. When you think about Jesus' dealing, all of these lepers were under a death sentence, every last one of them. If you and I, every person that's ever been born in this world, if we were born and we lived and we died, everybody get that? We were born, we lived, and we died. Without God, where would we spend eternity? In hell. Something has to happen in order for that process to change. Because we're all under a death sentence. The wages of sin is what? Death. We have to understand that. Jesus saw them. Now, certainly he is the great physician that Jesus can heal and did heal many people. I believe even today God is healing people. I don't believe in faith healers. People who go around and say they can put their hand on. I believe only God can heal. Man does not have the power to heal but I believe we can pray for God's healing, and I believe that God, if God chooses to, God can heal a person. And, and the sheer fact is, look, if that were true, if I, if I had that power and ability to heal, I would spend every waking minute of my life going from hospital to hospital to hospital, trying to help people with their sicknesses. But I know a God that can heal people of anything. And I, how many of you believe God can heal? Amen. Amen. 
I believe it with all my heart. I hope that you have that hope in your life today. But when you look at this situation and they're under this death sentence, Jesus owed these 10 lepers nothing. But when they met him that day, you know what they met? They met grace. Look, look at, notice his perception. He, he saw them. And when Jesus saw them, and I love this because, look, Jesus, he looks beyond our faults. He saw their real condition. See, a lot of people just looked at Jesus like, like he was some faith healer, and that, that could be true of him. But Jesus did not come just to be a mere faith healer. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to give us eternal life. Jesus saw their outward condition, but he also saw the deepest needs of their hearts. Same is true for you today, me. God knows what's in our hearts. God knows what the deepest needs of our hearts are today. And he wanted to do far more than just heal their bodies. Now, certainly he wanted to help them in that area. But you know, Jesus knew that these men, more than having that leprosy gone from their lives, they needed salvation. They needed the Lord. And he saw them just like he sees us. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. I love this verse. I hardly ever quoted in it. I love the verse. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. God knows everything about you today. God knows everything about me today. God knows us better than we know ourselves. And the Bible says here that he had a perception. He saw them. And, and I thought to myself, I wonder what God sees when he looks at me. He had a perception of them. Notice his plan. What was his plan? Well, you know what, what Jesus is... Jesus said this quite a few times in his earthly ministry. I came to do the will of him that sent me, right? You know what Jesus' plan was? It was God's plan. Now, I don't, we don't have time this morning if you want to write it down. If you write down, I've, I've given you a couple of verses out of Leviticus 13. If you write down Leviticus 14, go back and look at that chapter. I, I know Leviticus is not a book we spend a lot of time in our, our personal devotions, but if you go back, you actually see what God's plan was for this plague, this leprosy that was in people's lives. But when I see how Jesus was doing things God's way, do you know that a lot of times we'll have the chance today, maybe some of you will stay, but we've invited many people and we'd love to, have, if, if maybe you fit this, we're going to have that next step class right after the main service and we're hoping that some folks can stay. And, and the biggest thing, I could, I could just get up and summarize it and say this, we are a church that exists to do things God's way. We're a Bible church. And, and what the Bible says is what we are going to do. The Word of God is our authority for all of our faith and practice. If people ask me, Pastor, why do you guys do this? And why do you do it this way? Tonight, don't miss it. Tonight, Lord's table. One of the two ordinances that God has given to the church 
And if you are a member of this church, this is something that we remember maybe five or six times a year, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And every Christian should be present whenever we're having the Lord's table. Why? Because we all, especially Thanksgiving time, need to be reminded of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. People say, well, why do you do it the way you do it? Well, because in the Bible, the Word of God tells us this is the, this is the procedure that God has given. We don't, we don't practice foot washing here. Why? Because people in our church have clean feet. We don't practice foot washing because it's not an ordinance. Say, so what's an ordinance? It's something to remember what? The death, burial, and resurrection. When people get, go through that baptismal pool up there, listen, the only thing that happens to them physically is they get wet. But what it is, is a reminder is they're standing in the water, they go under the water, they come up out of the water. It's a beautiful picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, the reason that he gave those two ordinances, and only those two ordinances, is because we are constantly reminded of what Jesus did for us. So when Jesus met these lepers, what was he going to do? He was going to do things God's way. He was going to do things the way that God, his Father, wanted him to do. And I believe that is still the way things ought to be done today in our church. Is We ought to be doing things the way God wants us to do. And listen, the only way to God is through Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Uh, the Bible says in 1 John 5, 12, He that hath the Son hath what? Life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. So Jesus had a perception. Now, again, because he was God, he knew all this before he got there. He had a plan. Well, listen, his plan, I believe, was from eternity past to do the will of God when he came to this earth. And, of course, we celebrate that at Christmas time. And then notice how was he going to do that? He was going to use his power. God's plan is still the same, is that we are to call on him. And listen, if you've never called on him for salvation, that's where it all begins. I remember January 22nd, 1984, when, when I called on the name of the Lord, I asked the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sin and to be my Savior. And listen, from that time on, there's been times where I've cried out to God. Now, it hasn't been for salvation because you only need to be saved one time. But notice here that Jesus had the power. They had heard about Jesus, and that's why they cried out to him. And as soon as they turned and Jesus told them, hey, listen, I want you to go to the priest. Go show yourself. The Bible says as soon as they turned and obeyed his command, what happened? They were healed. Now, did you hear that? They turned and obeyed. Don't miss that. Because a lot of people, they hear... God speak to them. That's why the Bible tells us not just be a hearer of the word, but be what? A doer. Obey, listen, obey every impulse of God. God speaks to you today in, in the service this morning. Respond to God's call in your life. You think about how God, listen, Jesus told them, I want you to go to the priest. Every, every sign of their disease that was on their bodies, I believe this all my heart, every sign of that leprosy disappeared. The Bible says they were healed. That is what Jesus does when people come to him in their sin. He forgives us of our sin. And listen, we are washed whiter than snow, the Bible says. 
And look what it says in 2 Corinthians. I love the verse. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things, you can, you can put the leprosy under that. Old things, the sin nature. You know, listen, as long as we're in this flesh, we're still, from time to time, we're going to struggle. But the Bible says all things are become new. Why? Because we now have God's divine nature. We're a new creature in Christ. Ephesians 2, 1, he hath, you hath he quickened who were dead. We were walking dead people in our trespasses and sins. But Jesus, the Son of God, has the power to eradicate the, this awful sin disease, just like he had the power to take that leprosy away from them. Can you imagine having an awful disease like that? And turn and obey God and start to go to the priest and look down and go, whoa. When's the last time you thought back to when you were in sin and didn't have the Lord in your life? And just like me, uh, 35 years ago, when I got up from the altar and, and I gave my heart to Jesus and I invited him into my life. And I got up and I went, whoa, I've been cleansed. Folks, listen, there's been a great change. It hasn't been because Dane's done a job on this facade. It's what God has been doing on the inside. He has the power to change lives. And look, what does that mean for sinners? I'll tell you what it means. It means that we've been reconciled back together with God. It means that we've been saved by the grace of God. It means we've been adopted as a son or a child of God. It means that heaven is going to be our home. Folks, I could go on and on. I'm going to tell you something. There is great benefit from being cleansed by God. I see this, how his plan, this tremendous compassion that he had for them, that the instant that they exercised faith, they believed what happened. Salvation was accomplished. See, when you put your faith in Christ, you were saved. Look what it says, Romans 10, 9. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Now watch this. I made a confession, but look at the next part of the verse. And shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Listen, can I tell you, salvation isn't something that takes years to happen. The Bible says, if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart, that at that moment, the Bible says, thou shalt be saved. Saved. Here, can you see the 10? They're, they're all, their bodies, maybe some of the fingers are gone, maybe some of their ears. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to gross you out this morning, but, but listen, I couldn't even come close to how awful this disease is. And here they are walking away. Jesus says, go to the priest. They turn, they, they, they turn and they obey him. And as they're walking, all of a sudden, it's gone. It's gone. The leprosy is gone. Why? Because of faith. And then notice we see this morning a thankful convert. The Bible tells us here that one of them, when he saw he was healed, he turned back with a loud voice and glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Ten of them were healed, but only one returned to give thanks to Jesus for the grace. Notice his realization 
there were two things that he realized. One of them was that he had been healed. But the second thing he realized was, think about this. He was, was he a Jew? What was he? So did he, did he as a Samaritan need to go to the temple to the priest? Not according to their tradition. He, he didn't need to do that. Why? Because the law had no authority over him. Look what it says here in Romans 8.3. What the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. The law could not heal. Look, it, the law did not heal these 10 lepers. The law could not change them. But who did change these 10 lepers? Jesus. See, and what the law couldn't do, God sent his son. See, the law is our schoolmaster. It brings us to Jesus. The law cannot save you. Jesus saves. Right there is a good Baptist amen right there. Yeah, Jesus saves, not the law. Religion doesn't save. Jesus saves. And we see this this morning, how he, this one came back and he thanked Jesus for what he had done for him. Look, the nine, don't, don't miss this now, the nine went back to the priest because they went to honor the law. But this man knew that he had met grace. Now, I do believe that Jesus told the man maybe to go back to the priest because here's why, is he had been an outcast, he had been cast out from society, and by going to the priest, it was like getting a clean bill of health. So he gave him an opportunity to say, look, I did go to the priest. But see, the reality is that the only thing that man and those other nine really needed was Jesus. They didn't need the law's approval, they just needed the Lord in their life. That's, that's what we see this morning. So his realization, but look at this. I see his rejoicing because the Bible says that he fell down on his face giving thanks. And Jesus said, where are the nine? And he says that they, they did not return. Now this man was rejoicing. Wouldn't you be rejoicing if you were healed of an awful disease? You know, I know people today, they're going through cancer and other things, and, and God takes the cancer away from them. And listen, I'm going to tell you something. There's great rejoicing when God does a work in a person's life. And it reminds me of when Peter and John, when they were going into the temple one day in Acts chapter number 3, and the Bible says they saw this man that was lame, and Peter said unto him, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. Notice he says, I don't have any money. I'm a good Baptist. I put it all in the offering plate. But he says, I'll tell you what I do have that I can give to you. He says, I can give you Jesus. Now, Peter couldn't give him the Lord. But the Bible says that he says, Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. Look at this. Here's a man that's never walked before. And the Bible says immediately, just like salvation, his feet and ankle bones, look at it, they receive strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Hey, listen, when people get saved, you know what they ought to be doing? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I'm going to, look, there's nothing wrong with going out. Listen, listen, all these people that are living in sin, they have no problem parading that. 
in front of the world, where's the Christian that'll go out in society and say, hey, thank God that he saved me and thank God that he healed me of the disease that I had in my life. Hey, listen, I'm thankful for God's miraculous power in my life, but, uh, but instead, most time, Christians just kind of go around like this. People are like, man, if that's what being a Christian is like, I don't want to be a Christian. Some of you, I can tell, you just need to get a little bit more Baptocostal. Some of you do. You just need to start praising God, thanking God for what he's done in your life. See, do we rejoice and worship God for his marvelous grace? Look at Hebrews 13, 15. Let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. The Bible tells us in the book of Psalms, God inhabits the praise of his people. I mean, can you hear the heartbreak of Jesus when he says to this Samaritan, but where are the nine? I don't know about you, but I don't want to break God's heart. Let's be a thankful people. Listen, don't, don't worry about what the other people, what the other nine, what your family's going to do. Why don't you just go ahead and praise God and thank God yourself? Why? Because of God's wonderful grace in your life. Let's be a thankful people. All God's people said, amen. amen. Lord bless you. We'll, we'll get started here in just a few minutes.